I'm Lisa Stone. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Parenting Aces. Welcome to the Parenting Aces podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Stone. Before we jump into this week's episode, I wanted to just let y'all know that registration is now open for the Saul Schwartz Safe College Tennis All-In Tournaments. We're having one in Atlanta, July 21 and 22, and a second one in Baltimore, August 11 and 12. And we'd love to have you join us for these amazing, amazing amazing junior slash college tournaments. The events are open to any junior and collegiate players, and we do use the UTR platform for the events. So we uh, we organize the players according to UTR, and they are guaranteed a minimum of three matches. We have amazing prizes again this year, donated by Wilson, by Hollabird Sports, uh, UTR. Um, we have Voss Water back on board. We have Match Tennis app again. Universal Tennis Academy is sponsoring us once again. And I know I'm leaving some out, but I hope you will check out the tournament Facebook page. That is the Sol UTR, T-H-E-S-O-L-U-T-R. And all of the information and details are there for registering, sponsoring, or just coming out to watch some great tennis. So hope you'll join us either in Atlanta or Baltimore or both for these great events. Now moving on to this week's episode. Oh my gosh, I had so much fun recording this one. (laughs) We have this week Coach Todd Whittem and tennis parent George Opelka, Riley Opelka's dad, And these two guys had so much amazing wisdom to share with all of you. And I just, like I said, I had such a blast recording this one. So I hope you enjoy hearing their perspectives on everything from choosing a coach to the different developmental pathways to looking at the choice between going to college and turning pro to having sponsors and agents. I mean, it's it was just an amazing, amazing conversation. So sit back and enjoy this week's episode with Coach Todd Whittem and tennis parent George Opelka. Good morning, George and Todd. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this week. Great to be here. Good morning. So, George, I'm going to start with you because your son, Riley, is having a stellar time on the clay right now. And this all came about because you listened to other podcasts that I've done with Todd and commented on them on Twitter about how Todd just always speaks the truth. So, I would love for you to tell our audience, what is it about what Todd is saying about coaching, about the ITF circuit, about college tennis that resonates so deeply with you as the parent of a young professional player? Sure. Um, You know, I met Todd a long time ago. You know, my son is, what, 20 now, and I bet you I met Todd 10 plus years ago when, when, you know, he was coaching young players on the you know USTA um, events throughout Florida. I bump into him all the time. So we spent a lot of time uh, in coach's corner uh, courtside watching matches. And 
I learned pretty early in the game in my in my discussions with Todd that he's a real guy. I mean, that's the one thing I would say that that Todd is. He's, he is about as R E A L as they come, um, and he's not going to sugarcoat anything. Um, and I think a lot of that just stems from from his his upbringing. You know, he was um, and he'll tell you, and he's probably told you, and and I've heard it on the on the in my discussions and on the podcast. He he had a dream as a kid, and he chased his dream. And so it was he had laser focus from the beginning. He knew what he wanted to do, and uh, he probably made a million mistakes along the way, um, but he. Like tennis, you learn from your mistakes. So I think um, that's that's why why everything that, that Todd is, you know says resonates with me because he he lived it and he still lives it and he's able to to pass that information on on to his students. So there's there's so much history there, so much track record there, so much support he had from home, you know, from his mother. I mean, the story is just they just resonate because they make sense. You know, there's, you can't buy this thing, you know, whatever that thing is, if that thing is, I want to play to the best of my ability. I want to play college tennis. I want to play pro tennis. You can't buy it. There's, there's no shortcuts. You know, you got to work. And I think Todd communicates that so well. And, you know, in the last podcast that I heard, the one recurring theme that, that Todd said, because we were talking about, you know, college tennis or going on the tour. The one recurring theme he said was that every situation, every, every different player out there is, um, you have to treat every one of those, those instances as, um, as its own, as its own decision. There's no one way and there's no right decision for everybody everyone's unique and you have to look at each one of those players in through that, through that um, set of lenses. Right. And Todd, I mean, you know, now your, your head needs to unpuff for a minute. <laughs> that, that was pretty nice, George. <laughs> but I would love to hear from you, you know, what makes George such a phenomenal tennis parent? Well, sure. I mean, obviously, as George said, I, I met I met Riley and and George, you know, quite some years ago when when Riley was a developing junior player, and I had players, um, you know, that that were that were pretty good players that uh, were playing in the same tournaments as Riley, and I was able to meet George, and uh, and so r- right away, you know, I I I realized that these these are class acts. However good Riley becomes at tennis this was a class act family and that's what actually stood out with me. And so that's why we're doing this show before I get on the court and start working, you know, with, uh, with the kids that I, that I train on a daily basis. In fact, a couple of them are uh, going through some tough fitness now that I went out to take a look at for a couple of minutes. But, um, you know, that, that was, that was, that was the one thing, obviously there's many good things about the Opelco family, but that was really the thing that stood out was, these are quality people. And so I would speak to George about tennis or maybe about Riley or maybe about some of the other kids, you know, that, that I saw the tournament or kids that I was training. And they were just really nice discussions about tennis. And, and George was a great athlete uh, in college and, and I'm sure before college and everything. So it, it was nice to have these conversations with, 
with a former athlete and, and uh, with a developing junior player. And, and obviously I went through the process before Riley, but it was, it was nice, uh, nice to have these discussions. So, George, I'm curious because Riley is doing so well on the Pro Tour. He's part of this next-gen group. What are some of the lessons that you as a parent have taken from his journey that are are continuing to be applicable now that he's he's really out of your hands? And you and I have talked about this before on in interviews we've done, podcasts we've done, how your role as the parent changes as your child goes through the various steps of this journey. But but what are some of the things that you've learned along the way that that still stick with you and that you still use? Well, you know, I'd like to I'd like to say that I'm still learning, um, and I've learned a lot along the way and I've made I've made a thousand and thousand thousands of mistakes along the way um, and that's probably the, you know the, the best way that you can learn but um, some of the most valuable lessons that I've learned is and I still feel this way today is you know I, losing losing is, is is probably one of the best teaching tools out there um, you know I, I I've had so many fortunate people along the way that that I've got to meet and I've learned from, you know, people like Todd and, and, you know, told hours and hours of lessons watching matches. And, you know, I'll tell you one of the things that, that we usually talk about at a match is it just doesn't matter what happens today. You know, it's great for, for the kid to win and, you know, and get some points or whatever they do nowadays, but it's just more development is just so much more important than, 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 than winning, especially at your, at the early stages, you have to have some wins, you know, just to keep, you know, keep the momentum moving forward, but it's just not the most important. It's important, but not the most important. Um, so I would put that was, that was an extremely valuable lesson for me along the way. And, it, and it's not something I always, you know, felt strongly that, you know, that about that, um, you know, I was, uh, in my own admission, I was a crazy tennis parent, you know, at, at one point in time. And I'd like to think that I'm, I'm still a crazy tennis parent, but I'm a good crazy tennis parent. So I would think that that's, you know, losing is important. Big lesson. Um, another another lesson that I learned along the way is that um, I think, you know, I don't know if we still do it in the, in the States here because I'm not as close to junior tennis as I was, you know, say five, even five years ago, is I think we over-lessen in this country and we underplay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we should play more. I always like in tennis to piano where let's take a lesson a week and then, and then play. I mean, you still have to do drills and, you know, do drills every day, but you don't have to take a private lesson every single day to be good. Um, if you've got that sort of cash, cash flow, you know, go for it. But I just don't think that's what you have to do. I think you, you learn more about competing by playing every day, even if it's a, you know, a grudge match with somebody 30 years older than your kid. You know, we set the, we set up grudge matches all the time. I, I Riley at a very young age played, um, uh, an older, an older gal by the name of Josie Kuhlman, who's just wrapping up a, a stellar career at the university of Florida. And we used to drive 45 minutes, two days, you know, two days a week. Well, we drive to see them and, and the Kuhlmans would 
drive young Josie down to, to our community and they, they play a match. Or they take a lesson once a week with Brian Gottfried and then play a match. So I, I, it's another lesson that I think is, is a good takeaway for people is that is you learn to do by doing, and I think you learn to play by playing. Um, I think I think having um, the right people around you on your team as a coach, like like a Todd, is just as critical too. I mean, that's another you know extremely valuable lesson is. Get a coach that's been there or it's been close to the game, whether it whether they played it um, at a high level or they coached at a high level, but somebody that's going to teach um, teach you the right fundamentals earlier in, in in your years. You know, if you've got the right grips um, early, that's critical. If you've got the right you know the right technique on your on your forehand on your service motion, getting the right fundamentals in place, you know, is another uh, another critical. Um, lesson you know and I, I go back to when Riley was probably I don't know seven years old um, I met this guy named Tom Gullickson on a golf course and uh, we kind of hit it off because he was a you know, I'm from the Midwest he's from the Midwest and uh, one of the things that he he asked me you know was hey do you mind if I take a look at your your son's game I'm like yeah go for it and, and he said do you mind if I change anything yeah. <laughs> you can change whatever you want you know you had pretty good pedigree uh, so he changed everything, and I would say that was that was critical for Riley, and it happened at a very young age. So, you know, just to, to recap, I'd say you know, don't be afraid to lose. You know, that's that's important. Um, don't don't over over lessen yourself. Um, get your fundamentals in place um, early. Uh, those are some of the valuable lessons. Sorry to the labor on there, but that's no, those are no. things that were important to, to to Riley. Yeah, that's great. And Todd, I mean, care to comment on what George has said? Uh, he, he's right on the ball. Even though you're killing my business right now, George, by telling kids not to take too many lessons, but it's 100% the truth. In my opinion, kids are taking way too many lessons. They're not competing enough. They need someone... As, as well as the kids are going to learn how to construct points better by competing a lot more. As, as George stated, I, I grew up as well by playing with a lot of adults. And these were difficult torture matches that my coaches put me through because the adults were a lot more experienced and they understood the court better. And, and, uh, and I kept playing adults over and over and over again until basically I went to the University of Miami at 18 years old. I was still hitting with adults working on things and they were great because these adults were, they were, they were obviously very high level players. So I had great workouts with them. They were mature. We, we, my, my coach was not dealing with, you know, attitude issues or, you know, kids that didn't want to work that hard. These adults came out to work really hard with, uh, with the juniors. So I always enjoyed those workouts as well as playing with serious juniors. But in terms of lesson taking and, and, and competing, there's there's so many lessons out there, and everyone has their own little way to do this and that and all this technical stuff. But I think what we've forgotten about in this, in this country is really one of the most important things is that the kids need to compete, but also the coaches need to be coaching and teaching how to to compete for for these youngsters. And that that many times is lost 
and I see it over and over again. And so those those are the things that, that I'm working a lot on with, with the kids that I'm training on a daily basis. I can tell you that in my system, lessons are probably maybe 10% of, of what I do on a daily basis. And the rest is what we're talking about right now. And this may be a, a big surprise to people because they have their children taking lessons over and over and over again and, and trying to learn this technique and swing and grip and and all these things are very important, but learning how to play and understand how to compete, to me, when, when you get to a certain level and the foundation is set, then, then lesson taking really is, is, isn't that imperative at, at, at that point. George, what are some of the myths or, I, I don't want to use the word lies because that implies negative intent. And I don't, I don't think there's typically negative intent, but I think a lot of times coaches and agents and people around high level players will tell you what they think you want to hear rather than what you need to hear. And I'm just curious if y'all experienced any of that as Riley was coming up and how you as a parent sifted through the the sugar-coated stuff and got down to the meat of what was important as Riley was developing. You know, Matt, that's a good question. Um, I think we were... You know, I think we were blessed in how some how we were set up because I had so many I had so many strong relationships in the business just from just from being an involved tennis parent. You know, we I was so I wasn't overly involved. I spent I spent thousands of hours on the court with you know Riley as a young player and with Riley and and Gully. Um, so I learned a, I learned a ton that way. But I met so many people in the business. You know, I met. I met Bruce Schilling um, from New Balance when Riley was age. Not not because Riley was ready to do a deal with New Balance, just just because I met him because I was hanging out with her, with 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 Tom Gullickson, you know, at an early age. I met um, some of the people from ATP. I met some um, didn't meet too many agents till later in the game, and um, and so I didn't spend I didn't talk to too many agents to tell you the truth. Um, um, and I went I went. <laughs> I probably went probably the wrong decision, but I went. Um, I should say wrong decision because you know, we've got the best agent in the business. Um, but I went with gut more than you know dollars and cents. Um, so I just most of the decisions we made were just based on on instinct. Um, I so I don't. I, I wasn't exposed to too many myths or like anybody throwing you know um, big shiny keys or thousands of dollars at, at us, you know, it was really more of, um, we weren't really even focused on, on that part of the, the business. Like we've always was focused on the tennis and, and, um, all the other stuff, all the, you know, peripherals, um, just weren't important to us, you know? So, um, I haven't been exposed to tell you the truth to, to many of the myths. I mean, I think it's, it's the same advice I, I'd give to Riley with tennis or, or anybody else's, you know, just follow your, your instincts. And, um, you know, something I learned, um, at the, at the university of Alabama, one of the last classes I took was, you know, um, we took this class and, you know, um, how to, how to become a millionaire. Here are the 10 things you don't want to do. And, 
um, when you get it right out of college. And the number one was don't buy a car, which I think is a brilliant idea. But um, but number two was stay away from the water cooler. You know, so, um, which I, I and I still believe in that today. So you just we didn't if there's some noise being being talked or something that I believe was just you know complete BS. I just turned my my ear the other way. But we really there's so many incredibly amazing people in college tennis, pro tennis, junior tennis, whether it's parents, you know, players, coaches, I just haven't been exposed to any of that. You know, I was at, um, I was at the first two rounds of the NCAAs last week in Gainesville and, um, hung out with junior tennis parents that probably some that worked with, with Todd and uh, their kids and, um, just told old stories. There's so just, I, I hate to say it. I haven't been exposed to any of it. But I don't I, mean, hate to, I don't hate to say it. No, no, <laughs> that's a truth. good thing. But it but it does exist and you know, we've certainly heard stories of players kind of getting wowed with dollar signs and you know, things not ending up so well for them and um you know, I and I feel like great point. Feel, Okay, go ahead. Sorry. No, that's a good point. You know, you kind of you spark some spark some things you know but i haven't heard dollar so much but i'm sure it happened and um but you've heard things about um wild cards you know that's 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 reality because some of the you know some of the big um, agencies own tournaments so and 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 they do take care of their own so i don't think that's really a myth per se and and i don't think that's a bad thing you know if if img owns some tournaments and they've they've invested in some players then um and those players have have earned that right for a wild card, give it to them. I don't have a problem with that, you know, um, especially if people are, they're not going to give it to somebody that's dogging it. If somebody's putting in the hours and they're a young junior and they're, and, and they're, and they're a client, so to speak, give them a wild card and let's see what the guy has or the girl has. So, mm-hmm. and I've seen those play out and, um, and so I, there's no, there's no sour grapes for me. If, if you know XYZ agency owns a tournament and they give one of those players a wild card, it's part of the game. You know, it's part of the business. Everybody needs. You know, you, you do hear people complaining about, well, he's got a wild card, got a wild card. Well, that's part of the business, and 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 somebody, especially a younger player, they need they need those kind of things. You know, I'm not saying that you give one. It's not like a vitamin where you give a wild card a day to somebody, um, but. Everybody needs those, you know, and, and my kids got them. I think he got a wild card into Cincinnati a couple of years ago and um, had an opportunity to play uh, Jeremy Chardet first round, and he beat him, you know, and it's a tight match and could have gone either way, but couldn't have got that without a, without a wild card. So um, I think that's one of those things that's that's good for the business, um, but you hear a lot of negativity about that. Um, you know, at least I've heard that over the years. So I think that's one myth that, you know, people should be aware of. Um, with college, I I don't know. You know, you hear all kinds of stories about college, and when you talk to the coaches, um, and I've talked to so many in both, you know, pre, you know, when Riley's being recruited and post, just because I'm I'm such a big fan of the game. Um, you know, there, I think there's all kinds of myths that that go around there. And if a, if if a college has success, then then they're going to be scrutinized for what they're doing with with scholarships and those kind of things. But I think a lot of that's just, just chatter. You know, mm-hmm. every coach that I've spent, I spent time with so many coaches and they're, they're such, there's so many great people in this business and they're all above board for the most part, you know, 
Um, everybody just wants to win. Everybody wants to recruit the best players or good kids. Um, so, again, I haven't been exposed to to any of it. Nobody made any false promises to us. You know, we were we were made. You know, people wanted to. They offered rallies some nice things, but nothing material. It was more or less. You know, we're going to make sure we're going to guarantee your kid's success. We're going to make sure he's set up to succeed, whether it's on the court, whether it's with, you know, the right people to take care of his body, or whether it's people to t- help make sure that that he's going to class and he's studying. You know, those are the kind of promises that we were made, and and I spent a lot of time with people like Brian Shelton and and Peter Smith and Manny Diaz, and all those guys were the straight shooters from the get go with us. That's great to hear. Todd, you've got a young player who is going to have a big decision to make probably in the next year, right? Ronnie is going to have to make a decision about college or pro. And Riley is really of the the next-gen players. He's the one, I think, that came closest to going the college route of the ones that I've talked to. Do you Is that a true statement, George? Yeah, it was a tough decision for us. Yeah, I mean, y'all were pretty close. Um, so, Todd, what do you have questions for George as it pertains to Ronnie and kind of his decision that he's going to be faced with? Well, I don't know if I have questions for George, but, you know, I mean, I, I, I was one of those players as well at, I, I you know I'm, I'm not sure when Riley started to play some low level professional events, but I think we you know we, we spoke about on other shows that I, I started getting my feet wet in pro tennis when I was 16 years old and started to play men and and you know guys that were in college, guys that got out of college to become professionals, or guys that became professionals right out of junior, right out of junior tennis. Um, you know I think. I think a lot of things have to be in place for it to become a reality for for a junior player to become a full-time professional like like what Riley is doing right now. And what you're hearing from George is that you know th- these are very educated individuals. They they listen to the right voices, people that have a lot of experience and and know what it takes to become a high-level professional tennis player. There's, there's, there's no guesswork. They, they were 100% sure, uh, sure and certain with their decision for Riley to become a professional player. I'm, I'm sure, you know, at 18 years old, I'm, I'm guessing he turned professional. So what, what, if, if we're speaking about Ronnie Holman, who, who I actually brought, I think, about a month or two ago to train with Riley for him to get some great experience. So, you know, we, we thank Riley for, for that great workout for Ronnie. And, um, but basically there's, there's things that have to be in place for it to become a reality, whether it could be financial, it could be, it could be technical, it could be mental, it could be physical. There's a lot of things that have to be in place so that you're making the correct decision and that the, the young, the young player is making the correct decision to maybe forego college or have college become a, you know, become a a, a a training ground for for that player to become professional out of college. Um, so, what what I'm doing, if if you if you're wondering, with with a, with a 16 year old who's in his feet right now in, in professional tennis and, and playing high level events, is that I'm trying to give him an education on a daily basis of what it's going to take for him to become a professional tennis player. 
Now, whether he wants to become one at 18 years old, at 20 years old, 22 years old, 19 years old, that's going to be his decision. But I'm showing him on a daily basis what, what, it, what the reality is and what it's actually going to take for him to have a great career in professional tennis. Now, the rest is really up to him. And if, uh, if he has to, has to make a decision at, at 18 years old, that's great because it's maybe a reality for him that he could turn professional at 18 years old or he's not ready, but there's some really good options for him. And, and, that's, and that's really what I'm doing. But in terms of the workouts and, and the discipline every single day that he's going through, these are very difficult days, but he's going to now get about a year to a year and a half of professional tennis events so that he can really make an educated decision about his future. That's fantastic. I mean, I don't think a lot of juniors get that, really, um, either because the coach doesn't have the knowledge to take them through that process or the family doesn't have the resources to make that happen. Um you know, so I mean, what a gift for Ronnie and his family and George, what a gift for Riley that you guys had the wherewithal to ask the questions, to surround yourselves with the right people that were being straight shooters with you. Because again, you know, I do hear stories of, of families that are getting sunshine blown up their rear ends about their kids' talent level, what their potential is, what the future can look like. And I think, you know, there are sad stories of families getting sucked into that. And maybe the the kid either doesn't have the talent, doesn't have the drive, doesn't have the work ethic, or just simply doesn't have the desire to put the work in to get there. I, I think you're, both you guys are so spot on, and that's, that's why I said in my tweet, you know, call Todd. <laughs> you're not, you're not going to get, you're not going to get a bunch of garbage just thrown in your face. You're going to get the truth, and and it's it. The tour is so brutal. People don't realize how how tough it is out there, and you can't you can't. There's no shortcuts there. You got you got to put the work in every single day. My my kid probably stretches twice a day, maybe three times a day, and doing doing the fitness that the things that that are just they're pain you know but this is your job now and um i think that decision was for us was um, it was a difficult decision and um we had so many great voices to help us make the decision um and i think like todd said the situation has to be perfect for you it may be you know it definitely has to be financial even if you got the money it's still a financial decision because it takes a ton of money um you have to be you have to be mature. You have to be. Um, you have to be talented. You have to be lucky. A lot of things have to happen, and then you you can make do, make every right decision and still not make it on the tour. So um, I think having the right guidance, which we did. You know, I called up something that that Todd and Riley have in common. People may not know this, and I, I think I'm correct in saying this. Todd, you can correct me based on our our courtside chats. Is they they had the same coach at one point in their career. So um, I believe Todd played for for Jay Berger at Miami. I think that's correct. Um, right? In fact, in fact, I did. But not only did I play for Jay, Jay was hitting in my lessons when I was about seven years old. So the, the coaches that I was working with, the two Argentine coaches, and one actually helps me on a daily basis. 
unfortunately, the other one, George Paris, uh, passed away when I was 15 years old, and they were partners. So I had actually had a relationship with Jay Berger from when I was seven years old. And so he was top 10 in the world, and he was already hitting in my lessons. And so I was already part of this unbelievable training environment and watching these amazing players train on a daily basis, not only with, with Jay, but also with all these other phenomenal player, players, whether they were amateurs or professional players. So I was already thrown in that arena from, from a very young age. And so uh, when, uh, when, I, when I was coming through, I, you know, I had the relationship with Jay, and then I went right on to the University of Miami. So um, you know, George, George knows that, and Jay was my coach at the, at the University of Miami. And so that was a guy that knew what it took to become – a high-level professional player, and so I was very fortunate to be to be around that type of individual from a very young age. Yeah, I mean, I I think um, you know Jay probably over the years is just because the USTA is is always under a magnifying glass; it's in the spotlight, so he gets scrutinized for you know the way he combs his hair, you know. Um, but but I'll tell you this: cause I met Jay Berger when Riley was. I think Riley met Jay Berger when he was eight or nine at, in Cincinnati when we went to a tournament. And uh, the story you'll hear on Jay Berger is he's like Todd. He's you know one of the hardest working guys in tennis. You know, um, blue collar, you know, lunch bucket construction cap kind of guy. Um, works the tail off every day. Um, and and it's you know when we went through the college decision making process with Jay because I've known him so long and I trust him and, and he was. Um, he was, you know, a men's. He's in charge of, you know, men's development for the for the USGA at the time. You know, we were constantly getting bombarded with letters and things from college coaches and and a few agents. And um, you know, Jay told Riley, you know, he has a great knack for just keeping things simple. He said, "Don't think about turning pro. Don't think about college tennis. Just think about getting better every day." And this is pretty early in the game, you know, maybe Riley's junior year, early in his junior year. And that's, that just, that resonated with me. So it's like, we don't have to make a decision right now. Just get better every day. And then the decision will take care of itself. And it did. I mean, we had, you know, Riley had some success along the way. And um, for us, you know, I felt like we got the proper, um, we got the proper feedback from his team, you know, people like Berger and, and Gullickson and, you know, of course, Lynn and I, uh, and Riley, um, it just made sense for us. The, the finances were taken care of. The We think that he was making the right, you know, progressing as a tennis player. Um, maturity factors, that, that's one of those, that's an X factor. It takes time. Um, growing into your body takes time. So, but for us, it just made sense, and we talked to the right people. And, and, and Berger was one of those key guys. And um, Riley's worked with him off and on, you know, because he's, running the USTA at the time of the men's development. But um, back in November, um, Riley transitioned um, his his coaching you know duties over to Jay. So I've just been fortunate to spend a lot of time on the court with him. That's fantastic. You know, one of the things as you guys are talking that, that occurs to me is Riley has been part of this group of young Americans that is doing really well. And one of the things Todd has talked about numerous times on the podcast is the fact that he chooses 
the players that he works with very carefully to ensure that the group dynamic is positive and supportive and all that. I would love to hear both of you talk about the impact of the group on individual development. And George, maybe we can start with you and Riley coming up with such an amazing group of kids. Yeah, I think, you know, the one thing that lasts through all this tennis you know, craziness is friendships. And, uh, and, and it's critical, I think, to have a, you know, a group of good kids, you know, that, that push each other. Um, and it started before, you know, before you had Fritz, you know, Paul, Opelka, you know, that whole group of players. Um, and even some of those guys, like, you know, we, we grew up with Rybakov, you know, from TCU, you know, some of these, these Florida kids, um, spent a lot of time just running around between matches at tournaments, you know, chasing each other around. But I think, um, I think Roddick put it best recently. You know, I heard him on a interview. He, he, he talks about healthy jealousy. And I, I think this, I think we have a lot of that where you see, you know, you see a TFO have success, you know, and you, or you'll see a Fritz have success and then you'll see, you know, Riley might have a great match against either one of those guys. So they start believing. So, um, the there there is this healthy jealousy amongst that whole group but um and there's a tremendous amount of respect amongst those guys for one another i mean they all want to see each other succeed except for when they play each other um <laughs> and they believe you know and they believe they can beat each other you know um but it started young i i i remember spending you know mornings in the hotel lobbies with you know with in arizona you know winter nats with a with a tfo and a riley and a paul and, and a Rybakov, you know um, so I think it's critical, you know, to have, to have people pushing each other and, you know, and, but also to have friends, even more importantly, people that you can get along with and people that'll picky, pick each other up when you're down and, and, you know, and stuff. And, you know, um, again, I, I reflect back on some of my discussions with, you know, some of our mentors along the way. And, um, uh, maybe three, four years ago, uh, uh, Tim Mayotte pulled me aside at one of these super nats or national tournaments. And he said, you know, as, as you guys go down this professional tour path, you know, the most important thing for me on the tour was I had two or three friends to hang out with when I was on the road, you know, just, just so we were, I had somebody to hang with and cause it can be extremely lonely. So, and so you, you see that, you know, Fritz, Fritz and Paul are, you know, Fritz, Paul, Riley, Kozlov, you know, I know Riley's, Riley's in France right now, and he spent a lot of time with Kozlov last week, and he ended up playing him. You know, so the, I think it's critical to have to have um, have some peers that are going to push you. And I think Todd probably has that culture set up, knowing Todd, um, you know, down at down at his um, in his business. Todd, that's that's yeah. your cue. <laughs> All right, so here we go. So. As as many of you know, I, I started with one one kid to train, who was a senior in high school, in 2010, and um, and so it was always my goal. My number one goal was to have the best system to train tennis players in South Florida, not masses of kids, but to have the best quality system and the best people around these certain individuals. Now, over over these eight years, obviously. 
you you may you may get some some bad apples and and I'm always monitoring that and everything and and now I'm I'm very very fortunate that I'm now kind of picking and choosing who I would love to have around me five six hours a day and so to me that's exciting um, not to me it's not exciting to have masses and masses of kids with with different with um, different mentalities. The mental I put the kids through an assessment. If a parent contacts me, I put I put them through an assessment with the, with the parent there, and we go over what what I see and see if it'll be a, a a good fit for myself and for them and for the system that I currently run. And so what George is speaking about is is a healthy environment with the same mentalities. And so that's what I've tried to create in, in my system. And so that's been really exciting for me because I've never had more people contacting me about what is going on. And, uh, and so obviously as a business owner, that, that's, that's exciting. But in terms, of, in terms of development, I believe that's what you need. You're, you're a product of your society. And I continue to say this to the kids that I train on a daily basis. Now, if you don't have that and you have kids of all different mentalities and work ethic and attitudes, that, that can really hurt the individuals. So those are the things that I'm continually monitoring. And, uh, and that's what makes it exciting for me to get on the court every day is that, is that mentality that is a, a positive one and kids that want to learn and work hard, regardless of their of their current level or ability, that's what excites me to get on the court. And I'm, I'm blessed that I can pick and choose now who I want to be spending my whole day with. Can you give either one of you give some specific examples of things you've seen where the group dynamic has really worked to push things forward? And then also where maybe there's been, like you said, Todd, a bad apple that has really interfered with the ability to move forward. Well, I mean, I'll take a stab at it. Um, so we didn't have the group thing growing up. I mean, we did, but not really. I mean, um, cause, uh, somewhat, we grew up somewhat in a rural area of, of Florida, um, and I think that happens all over the country, you know. Um, Jack Sock grew up in Nebraska, you know. I don't think he had 50 people in a an academy that he was training with, or he had that had that at least had, didn't have that luxury. And that probably happens all over the country. So you have to get creative as a parent if you believe in you know groups pushing each other. So um, we really we didn't have too much of that. So we drove a little bit further, but you know, Riley um, would just get in groups with with um, people that were a little older than him, or we would play again. We get in groups with with some. Um, didn't matter if they were boys or girls, you know, um, just people that were older than him that would would push him. And um, so that was kind of our experience. And eventually, we had to, um, you know, we had to Riley had to move out of the area just to, if he really wanted to chase his dream, to to be more of a in a group setting. And, and I think USTA has been uh, again. I can't give those guys enough credit. Everybody over there, they. You know they've been um, tasked with, uh, you know, or at least that's part of their their charter, um, into you know developing uh, 
men and women that'll be playing in the second week of Grand Slams. You know, that's a that's a pretty strong charter. But they've put together uh, over the years, and they've and they've morphed over the years too, to their credit. Um, uh, same kind of culture that that Todd has has you know captured in his business. It's it's so difficult to do, and to have success at it. You know, you can you can have all the the best players in the world, and they're the best players in your state, the best players in your region. But you could have one bad apple that's going to spoil the bunch. Um, and I think that's when then someone like a Todd or the business owner or who's ever in charge of that group can just you just need to intervene or a parent needs to intervene. And I think it's no different than a college team that has a, a guy that you know falls out of line. It's just, you need to have somebody step in and slap him. You know, so so we didn't have too much of that because um, the system took care of it for us. You know, USTA who's ever running. The group there, there was always somebody that maybe, you know, crossed the road when they weren't supposed to cross the road because there are certain rules you have to abide by when you're part of the system. And if you don't, then um, if, if you break the rules, you get kicked out or you get slapped. So, and I saw that happen at USDA where they didn't put up with garbage. So either people had to straighten up or move on and it happened. So I think it's, you know, just don't, you can't let the, you can't let the, the tail wag the dog. I think that's the most important thing. But um, I, again, groups for us, we had to move to groups because we were rural. We had to, or we had to drive an hour instead of driving ten minutes. You know, where where Todd's at, there's so many, there's so many great players down there, but there's also a lot more options for kids to go to. So kids tend to, they'll tend to migrate um, around to where the best players are until, you know, they find a system like you know Todd's got a great system down there. So um, you know, he's he's at at the point where he can, and people will find him. He doesn't have to go find them. So I don't know if that, if that provides you with any insight. That was kind of our experience. Got it. And Todd, what about for you? I mean, can you give an example of where you've seen the group really, you know, even raise maybe the, the least talented player in the group? Um, you know, how the group dynamic has buoyed someone to reach a higher level. I'm seeing that on a daily basis um, in, in my system. Obviously, uh, my partner and I, Pierre Arnold, who, who trained me for, for 20 years, um, we're doing that on a daily basis. We're, we're mentoring these kids about what it's going to take for them to achieve their goals and dreams, and it's a highly competitive environment. This is not a bunch of lesson-taking. It's not a bunch of giggling and goofing around. These kids are here for, for a specific reason. And these are the select kids that we want to be with, you know, it could be four to six hours a day. So um, if you can create, which has been my goal and dream, if you can create this environment that's healthy and competing and kids smiling and understanding that if they do things properly, that we will praise them, but if they don't, they're going to face the consequences. To me, that that's life. We're not we're not walking around the court and mentoring kids and telling them how great they're doing when 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 they're not doing great. I, I don't I don't understand that. Even though it's great to make money and everything, but that's just not who Pierre and I are. And I think people understand that maybe with the the social media or the articles I'm writing or even the radio shows that I've done with you, Lisa is that, that that's what excites me to get on the court every day or else I wouldn't get on the court every day or I would work less hours. And But being still 
I would hope people think at 35 years old, I'm still a pretty young guy that I can put in the hours. And, uh, and, and I enjoy doing that with the right mentality and, and the right kids. And so that's what I'm doing on a daily basis. And so I'm seeing these kids push, push each other every single day. And they're highly competitive, even in the simplest of drills. This is a highly competitive environment. It's not only for their tennis, but also for the life skills that, that they're, that they're going to be learning on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've been reading since my kids started playing about these groups that come up together and push each other. And, and it seems like this group of 19, 20, 21 year olds that we've got right now in the U.S. is, is a perfect example of that. And hopefully, the next wave is coming up and maybe Todd, it's, it's coming up through your academy, um, your system of, you know, this group that you've put together. Um, but I think, you know, you read that and, and if you, like you said, George, if you live outside of one of the hotbeds, it's difficult to create that type of environment for your child unless you have the ability and flexibility to drive distance and, you know, get your kid into that kind of setting. I mean, I, I think it's amazing what you and Lynn have done with Riley and, and you have another child who doesn't play tennis. We do. <laughs> and she was, you know, she was a great, well, she played early, you know, but she's, she was a great supporter and still is today. You know, she gets up and watches live stream at five in the morning, you know, and roots her brother. So, um, but it takes everybody has to um i don't want to say make sacrifices because you don't but everybody contributes because it's not a sacrifice you know it's 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 just it's just like todd says it's just life and it's it's what you do and you know you know riley didn't go to prom but you know but you know he's been to shenzhen so i mean there's there's <laughs> different, you, know, you know what i mean there's give and yeah. take you know and i think there's there's so much more to life than just you know um um it's not all, again, I'm not going to, I'm not going to um, sell against an education ever. Um, but it's not for everybody, you know, and, or it's not for everybody at 17, you know, my kid may go to college, you know, um, he may not, you know, and, and cause I'm not going to knock the guy that's or gal that's a plumber or an electrician um, because they learned to trade, you know, it's, it just isn't for everybody. Um, so I think it's easy to say that, you know, cause my, our decisions get challenged and questioned, but that's okay. You know, I think, um, it is what it is, and I don't. Um, I know Rally doesn't regret his decision to not uh, to, to 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 avoid college, or to at least at this point in his his career. So I think, as Todd said last week on or a couple of weeks ago on that podcast, everybody's situation is is different, you know, and you have to treat it that way. And I think that um, if if you're somewhere rural, then and you think you've got a, a kid that can play at the next level, whether that's, you know, college or beyond that, then um, you'll figure it out. And you may even jump on an airplane to go see a system like, you know, or, or drag a coach along to go see a system like, like Todd has built just to, so you can take that template and bring it back home. You know, um, that's a, maybe a little bit crazy, but that's what crazy tennis parents do. You figure it out. <laughs> that is true. I would, it's funny that George George just brought that up. I've had a couple of coaches ask me, "Can 
and, and check out what you're doing on a daily basis. And, and I, I said, sure, you know, that's, that's, that's not a problem. Um, but, you know, as, as, as we're speaking about these small groups and, and George had to travel around for Riley's, you know, tennis development and everything, I just, I just started thinking about really when, when I was a developing junior player going to tournaments and, and I didn't grow up in a big system. It was, it was, a, it was a small little, little system. I had maybe only a couple of kids that, that could push me and I could push them. And, and it was a healthy, small little environment. But I remember thinking going off to tournaments that if I did not really do things properly in, in my training, it was going to show in my tournaments and it did. And so that was, those were the concerns or stresses or whatever you want to call it that I had on a daily basis, knowing that I was hopefully not going to a tournament to be unprepared. And I'm, I'm speaking about when I would go to tournaments and Andy Roddick was there and Robbie Ginepri was there and players like that, that obviously got to the upper echelons of professional tennis that, Regardless of whether you're with an academy of masses of kids or you're in a very small system, maybe like Riley and I were in, is that on a daily basis, you have to be putting in a lot of great work and it's going to show in your tournaments. It, it, that's just the reality. And, uh, and, and, that, and that's what it's about, you know, regardless of, 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 of the system that you're in. And, uh, and those results are, they're, they're, they're going to tell, tell a lot. And, uh, you know, it just depends on what, what each and in, each individual is looking for. Right. Well, guys, we're they, down. They, to... Oh, go ahead. And they may even, they may even show up. You know, they may even show up in a loss. You know, you, you can, you know, I, I, I forget. Mike Sell told me years ago, though, there's no such thing as a good loss, you know, and, you know, I agree with them and I disagree with them, but, um, cause I think that you can, you can still play a great match. You're never going to play your best tennis, you know, for two or three sets of tennis, but you can still go out and compete your tail off and lose. And that's just the way it is. I still, I still think there's, there's, there's good and bad. And, and, um, and you can take there's both positive and negative. You can take away from match, but losing doesn't mean failing, you know, and I think that's an important takeaway. And although the kids are going to, you know, hang their heads sometimes, especially more in the, and the juniors, but I think the the one thing that, like the Todd just said, and, and I think Riley is really starting to learn, and he's got he's got a ways to go. That um, if I brought it today, and I competed my tail off, and I lost, that's okay. I left it all on the court, and I think you have to do that every day in practice, and 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 it'll carry over into your matches, and then your results will speak for themselves. Well, I mean, to me, that's one of the things that makes Rafael Nadal such an amazing role model for kids because he'll go into press after a loss and, you know, maybe it's considered an upset or whatever. And I mean, he tells the people in the room, the media, look, it's just a tennis match. The world didn't end because I lost today. It's just not a big deal. I've got another one tomorrow. And that attitude, I think, really has contributed to his longevity in the game. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. You know, as as we're going through this discussion, and I'm now thinking that I remember coming off the court in my professional career or my amateur career, thinking that 
man, I played a great match. I'm very proud of my performance. And unfortunately, maybe a point here and a point there didn't go my way. Maybe the other person came up with a great shot. Maybe I missed, missed a shot by inches. That's, that's the sport. It, it is what it is. But as I tell the parents all the time and the kids, regardless of whether it's a practice or a tournament, you need to feel proud of what you did that day. And if, and if you don't, then, then there's something wrong. You need to feel proud of what you're accomplishing day after day. And just like George stated and, and Jay, Berger, Jay Berger stated very clearly to me many years ago is that you need to be getting better each and every day. And I tell the players that in, in my system as well. Don't get off this court until you feel like you accomplished something in that drill, whether, whether you're, you're, you're happy or not, or you're performing your best that day. You need to feel when you get off the court that I accomplished something every single day. And, and that's the most important. Then you can build an athlete. You know, the, the one Jay Berger quote that I heard, and I don't know if you ever said it, but Jay's never wanted just to, <laughs> just to make stuff up. But the one Jay Berger's quote I heard was, as a young kid, he used to ask himself when he hit the pillow every night, did anybody in the world work harder than me today? Hmm. That's, pretty, that's, pretty, that's pretty strong right there. It sure is. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. a big well, one. Well, you know, I mean, Jay Jay is, is was an unbelievable American player. I'm an I'm an American as well, but we were brought up by Argentines, and so that blue collar mentality was instilled in us at a very very young age. And so that's that's where that actually comes from, is that we were not allowed to leave the facility or or finish our training unless we actually felt like there's no one in the country or, or on the planet that's working harder than us. That, that, that was instilled from, from our unbelievable Argentine coaches. I love that. Well, guys, we're coming to the end of our hour together. I, I just want to make sure I give you each a chance to get everything in that you wanted to get in. So, um, Todd, I'll start with you. Is there anything left that you would like to tell our audience today? Yeah, no, I mean, just, uh, you know, I, I hope the audience that, that's listening, um, maybe maybe they don't know the Apelkas, George and Riley, but I've, I've gotten to know them over, over the last bunch of years. And uh, these these are individuals that are amazing people. They're class acts. And these are the ones that you want to be listening to and you want them to do well. And I saw it again when I took Ronnie to train with Riley a couple months ago, you know, because I hadn't seen Riley for, for a while. And as they were going through their practice, I was just thinking, man, what just really good human beings they are. And, and these are the ones that you want to pull for. And I really hope Riley does well. And uh, I know he just won a challenger in Europe on the red clay, which is very difficult to do. And, uh, and so it looks like his career is headed in, in the, on the right track and on the right path. And so I think it's a very exciting time for the Apalkas, which is great to see. George? Well, thanks. Um, you know, uh, I don't know what to, you know, I don't know how to, what to say other than that, um, you know, my, my career took me to, to Florida from the Midwest and, um, I'm so glad that happened because I think tennis teaches so many life lessons. Um, it's just, you meet so many great people. It's a great game. Um, if you're an aspiring, you know, 
tennis player? Do you want to play in college tennis? Do you want to play on the tour? Um, you've got crazy tennis parents. I would say um, don't get caught up in wins. Just caught up in development uh, and take your kids to a college tennis match. You know, I think it's one of the um, one of the most exciting and best products we have out there today, and it's a great opportunity for for you to get your kids and kids an education if that's the, the chance you want to you want to pursue. And if you're passing through Florida, look up Todd. You're going to have a great time and you're going to learn a ton. And and it's going to be just um, just straight talk and and no no BS. But you'll learn a ton about tennis. I love it. Great to be here. Great to be here today. Well, thank you, George Opelka and Todd Whittem for sharing your wisdom. And I'm so glad we got to do this. This was a fun opportunity for me. And, you know, my my tennis worlds collide more often than not these days. And this is just one more example of that happening. George, you and I met at my very first U.S. Open. So, um (laughs) Yeah, we've known each other a while and and I just have the utmost respect for you and Lynn and how you've raised your family and um just I'm so happy to see Riley's career moving up and and you know that it really seems like the decision to turn pro at at a young age as he did is paying off for him and I just couldn't be more thrilled for all of the Opelkas. So congratulations to y'all. Todd, keep rocking it, man. I mean, keep doing what you're doing. My audience that has reached out to you have all reported back with very positive things to say. So I, I just wish you all the best and continued success there. And both you guys, thanks so much for doing the podcast with us. Thank you. Thank, thank you much, Lisa. And thank you very much, George, for coming on the show. Thanks. That was that was a you fun bet. hour thanks. for me. Me too. And to to the Parenting Aces listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at ParentingAces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.